Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 202, I have the pleasure of chatting with Christine Kane. To be a mother in this day and age, you need the wisdom of God, and it is easy to be fearful of the changing moral paradigms and the landscape in which we're raising children in. So I don't want Christian mothers to kind of just bow down to that fear and pull back because we don't know what to do. I want to give us strength and courage to go, you are the right woman for the job. He chooses the times that we're born in. So God knew. He knew what would be happening politically, morally, spiritually, environmentally um, on the planet in 2018. He knew who would be the best mother for that child at this time. And out of all of the billions of people that he's created throughout all of time, he knew we would be the right people in the right time for this time to parent our kids as Christ followers. And so I want us to lean into that with a spirit of faith and not pull back from a spirit of fear. Okay, y'all, Chris Kane is in the house. And if last week's episode made you aware of your fear and aware of God's healing, this week's episode is going to embolden your faith. Chris has written a new book called Unexpected, Leave Fear Behind, Move Forward in Faith and Embrace the Adventure. She and her husband, Nick, have founded the A21 Campaign, which is an anti-human trafficking organization, and Propel Women, which is designed to activate women to fulfill their God-given passion. She is a powerhouse activist, author, and international speaker. You will not be disappointed. But before we get to this conversation, let me tell you about this month's sponsor. So a couple weeks ago, I interviewed Jim and Lynn Jackson from ConnectedFamilies.org. And after that interview, I was made very aware of the issue of entitlement in our home and in my heart. This, I don't want to, I don't want to do hard things. And the, oh, I want it now. Like, I need that new thing right now. Uh, I need to go to Target and get all the new Opal design stuff house, whatever. I need all of the things. And I was so thankful that Jim and Lynn had taken their wisdom and their experience and put that all together in this new online course called The Entitlement Fix. If you want to check it out, you can go to godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement. It's four sessions. They're about 20 minutes each. The entire course is only $23 and you have it forever. You can watch it whenever you want. No guilt. Uh, If you don't have the time right now in the springtime, you can save it for the summer. And I'm telling you, they have practical tips that have helped us so much, like bringing positive energy when you see your kids doing hard work that is required of them, Um, even when it's not required. My husband usually takes out the trash, and there was a day when he was taking a load from our back door out to the alley, and he was coming back for another round of trash bags. We produce a lot of trash. And he saw my son already like crossing the yard with a bag in his arms. And he thanked him with this big energy that releases that dopamine. Uh, He said, thank you for doing that without being asked. And you know, I'm guessing my son will help him again because it felt good. It felt good to get that reward and that surge in his brain that says, I'm going to do that activity again that made me feel this Way And I think later he even told my, my husband that. He said, you know, when you talk to me like that, that felt really good. So if you want to check out more of that, go to godcentermom.com forward slash entitlement. All right, let's get to my conversation with Chris. Here we go. Hey, Christine, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather, I am so honored to be on this. Well, the mom listening 
doesn't, if she hasn't heard your name before, she doesn't know what's coming for her because (laughs) I think that after I recorded, I might re-listen to get that little boost of faith on the days when I need it. So thank you for being here and sharing the gifts that God's given you. Hey, it is so fantastic. I hope that everyone can handle my Aussie Greek accent. What's going to happen, though, is I'm going to start speaking with accent because I do that. I I absorb (laughs) the accents around me and everyone's going to get annoyed. Like, Heather, you're not from Australia. Stop. Stop. It's obnoxious. (laughs) Um, But for the gal who hasn't heard of you, would you just take a second, introduce her to yourself and your family? Sure. Well, my name's Chris Kane. So I grew up in Sydney, Australia, uh, the daughter of Greek immigrants. And um, we now live here in America. I have a 16-year-old daughter, Catherine, and a 12-year-old daughter, Sophia, and the most ravishing piece of masculine flesh, who is my husband, Nick. And um, in a couple of days, we've been married for 22 solid years. Congratulations. That's, That's good. We celebrate all these things. And I've Love how you talk about your husband. It, it's, <laughs> it, perf- it models it for all of us to speak life over our husband. So keep doing it. Keep doing awesome. it. So this newest book, Unexpected. Yes. I read while I was on spring break. And Ooh. yeah, it. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we were in the mountains. We were like away from everyone. And there was a day where I was feeling a lot of fear, actually. and discouraged about our parenting. In fact, it was uh-huh. 30 minutes into reading your book and I felt my faith emboldened. I felt oh. the strength of your faith coming off the pages into my soul and reminding me of what's true. And I want to do that for the guy listening today, a tiny piece, a tiny piece, because fear has such a way of entering into our motherhood and robbing us of the joys and whether it's fear of rejection, failure, pain, loss, it motivates our decisions and paralyzes us sometimes. So is it possible to let go of this fear and how do we embrace the adventure of motherhood and all the things God has for us? Well, sure. And I think, I mean, the, the fear is real. And, um, I think for all of us, you know, I, I have now two almost teenagers and one, definitely one. And I remember right from starting when I got pregnant, actually, I was 35 when I had my first child. I then I had a miscarriage at 37 and then I had my second baby girl when I was almost 40. And so I understand the reality of just fear. And I was already at the time ministering and teaching and traveling the world. So um, in my own mind, it was like, you know, God, did you know what you were doing? Mm. Don't you realize that um, you've called me to teach and that I'm traveling? And it, it's almost like sometimes we feel like we have to remind God uh, and say, did you even realize who, which child you brought this? <laughs> I mean, which family you brought this child into? Like, is this a mistake? Are you sure, God? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think whether you're a 21-year-old stay-at-home mom or whether, like me, you're a 40-year-old traveling the world mom, um, the fear is real. There might be different fears, but you're still going to have to make that daily decision. And 16 years on in my parenting, um, it's just different fears hit you at different seasons. And so you have got to make a decision that God has not given me a spirit of fear and that I am going to take on a posture of faith and trust 
that God knew who he was giving this child to, the family he was giving this child to, and that he's not expecting me to be perfect. He's just expecting me to do my best and he is going to fill in all of the gaps. And I think that's where my courage comes from, Mm. that God is going to fill in the inevitable gaps that I'm going to leave because I am flawed. I am human. I'm not trying to be God. He does a very good job at being who he is. And I trust him with my children. Like I'm called to train up my child in the way that she, they, they both should go, but I can't save them. Only Jesus can, and I can help set them up for life. But I trust that the same God that grabbed a hold of my life. And if he could take me, I was so broken, so flawed. Um, you know, in the natural, I, my own life would have seemed so beyond redemption. But I trust that the same God that saved, delivered, and healed me and has set me on course with my destiny is the same God that's going to do it with my daughters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in those moments of fear, like, you know, you said with the travel and the ministry that you're a part of, I'm sure that the enemy will come in and on a day say that you're failing or you're falling short as we all have those, you know, our head hits the pillow at the end of the day and we feel all of the shortcomings. What do you practically do to remind yourself? And that's because of course um, we all get attacked like that. The Mm -hmm. enemy, you know, the Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren and he is gainfully employed doing what he does best. And that is accusing us that we're not good enough. We're not sharp enough. And so I think um, I I love to quote scripture out loud. And I'm one of those people that loves to write scriptures on stick it notes (laughs) and stick them everywhere in the restroom, on my mirror, you know, like I, I am one of those people because Jesus saved my soul, but the word saved my mind. Mm. And I think for me to open scripture, I love to play worship music, Heather. I find that that really helps to settle me and to, it just, because what it does is it gets my eyes off my inadequacy and onto Jesus and his greatness. And I think that's why the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And if I can spend more time fixing my eyes on him as opposed to, and who he is, as opposed to what I'm not, I find that he fills in that gap. And of course, you know, my husband and I oversee the A21 campaign. And so we have um, anti-human trafficking offices in 12 countries, 14 offices in 12 countries around the world. And so it would be easy for me to be overcome by fear because the things that I'm exposed to when it comes to children being trafficked and mm. sold for sex or sold into forced labor, it can make you, uh, it can really make your mind run wild and, um, you know, want to get into protective mode with your own children because I am aware, like maybe few other people are, of truly the depraved nature of humanity and the evil that is out there and the potential danger that is out there. And I have to really, really center my mind on the scripture. And that's why I love worship as well, because it helps my emotions come into alignment with what my head knows and what my heart knows and what my spirit knows. And that's what I think keeps the fear at bay is when I just do practical steps out loud, I confess scripture um, out loud. I worship God. And it kind of, I I just think some of those practices, they seem very simplistic, but 30 years on in my Christian faith, um, you know, I'm not any more complicated than that. I think the basic spiritual practices are what help all of us, whether it's helping our kids 
get through school. You know, sometimes my daughters come home like most people's yeah. kids and uh, they've been bullied at school or someone has said something negative or they feel like failures. Not everything is a global issue like trafficking. I think a lot of things are just small little things. Yeah. But I have found that the closer I am to Jesus and the healthier I am, the more effective I can be as a mum to my daughters. So good. And and what we're talking about now is all the inner monologue of fear and the worries of what could happen. But your book yes. talks a lot about things that actually do happen. And yes. the fact that we live in this broken world and that same depravity that traffics children is in all of us and Absolutely. is ravaging our world and sin is just death. You know, everything's leading to death. We're going to experience hard unexpected circumstances. And I loved that you hit the ground running in your book with your own unexpected circumstance of a diagnosis. And I know a mom's listening who just had that diagnosis. I'm heading to a doctor this week, hoping for no negative news, but we, this is the reality of the world we live in. And so how do we feed faith in the, the actual, like, it's not like worried something might happen. Our worst fear is happening. What do we do? Well, it is. And I think that's why I opened the whole book with the story about my cancer diagnosis, because um, I think sometimes people might see people like us and think that we somehow float on the clouds (laughs) above. Mother of God. Yeah, right, 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 right. I'm like, seriously, I was the kid that was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. I was sexually abused for 12 years. I grew up in, you know, abject uh, in in a very low socioeconomic kind of uh, government housing home, the daughter of immigrants. And so there was all brokenness there. It doesn't mean, though, I got saved and the challenges stopped. I mean, the truth is we live in a fallen world, so there is sickness, there is betrayal, and I go through all of that. Yeah. In the book, Very Real Stories, what do you do when you get a cancer diagnosis? What do you do when you've been betrayed by a lifelong friend that you thought you would be friends with forever, you know, and I think for a lot of us mums that that kind of really hits home. That was the most painful. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, that's good. To be honest, that chapter for me was more painful to write than um, the chapter on cancer. I, and for me, I think with my broken background and my mother wounds and things like that, I, I am more susceptible to a relational uh, division than I am even to, you know, overcoming a physical body challenge. But I think with me, what happens is when adversity comes, uh, it reveals what is in us. And Mm. I think so when I received that cancer diagnosis, I thank God for the years of having filled my mind and heart with the word of God and with the truth of who God is. So I knew in that moment when the doctor said those words that none of us want to hear, I had a mammogram two days ago and you just kind of go, wow, okay. You don't know what, what's going to happen when you come out of it. Um, But though when I got the phone call that said, Chris, you have cancer. I mean, who is wanting to hear those words? You have cancer. Those three words, nobody wants to hear that. But in that moment, um, what was in me came out of me. I remember saying to the doctor, you know, well, Leslie, this is going to go one of three ways. God is either going to supernaturally heal me. That's what I was believing for. Now that didn't happen, but I was, you know, I'm still going to uh, believe in faith for that, or I'm going to be uh, healed through medicine and, you know, surgery. And that's in my case, that's what happened. Um, or Jesus is going to take me home and I'm going to be healed on the other side of eternity. I found myself laughing going, well, you know, um, 
I won't be sad because by the time I get there, I'll be like very, very happy. I said, people down here might be, but I won't be. But it just kind of struck home to me that I realized uh, whichever way I'm going to slice it up, if I can just settle the fact that death is the ultimate statistic, one out of one will die. And I think sometimes as Christian, we kind of act like, oh, wow, we might die. I'm like, no, 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 not you might. We will die. We are all, as far as I'm aware, most people are going to get to heaven through death. So if you can just settle the fact that um, even if I'm healed now and God willing, I'm going to live another 40 or 50 years, you know, I'm 52 this year, I'd love to see grandchildren. But the truth is no one knows. The Bible says life is but a vapor. Nobody knows um, how long we're going to be here for, which means I want to make every day count. And I don't want to live every day with a fear of death because that is inevitable. What I, I would prefer to, in a healthy way, fear more is that I don't actually live the life that God's called me to live. I think so many of us are so worried about dying that we never get around to living. And so I want to make sure that I live the God life that he's called me to live every day while he has given me breath. Um, And I think that's what, in in that moment, I thought, well, at least I really believe this stuff because I knew what came out of my mouth. And then like everybody, you know, at the time of the diagnosis, I think one of my daughters was uh, nine, eight, almost nine. The other one was um, you know, 11, 12. And so I, you just have all the very natural feelings of going, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you want me to raise these kids. And, um, you know, but I had to just settle some things. Like I, I, ultimately we don't know how it's going to land and, um, you have to work through what is that going to look like for my family. And I wanted to really assume a posture of faith, no matter which way it was going to end up. And I didn't want my daughters to fear the cancer word. I think there's a lot of fear around the word cancer, but I wanted to teach them that there is a name that is above every other name, including the name of cancer. And I said to my doctor at the time, I said, my battle here is not against cancer. My battle is against fear. I think we hear the C word and we instantly shrink back. Um, And I think I just really had to renew my mind. And I call it, I had to go into a faith cocoon. I had four or five girlfriends and I just made a decision that I was not going to talk about this in the way that it was going to defeat me. Um, I was going to surround myself with faith-filled girlfriends that were going to pray with me, that were going to encourage me, that when I was feeling down or, you know, going to go to another have another biopsy or another scan that these girls would be speaking faith because I didn't want the fear of cancer to take over my family life. I wanted to be my kid's mum. I wanted to be Nick's wife. I still wanted to uh, lead our ministry. Now, that wasn't denying the reality um, of what was going on. I just wasn't going to give what was going on more airplay than it deserved. All of that is such great advice. Each woman having that group of friends that speak life, not like the Job friends <laughs> or like, what'd you do wrong? Absolutely. What'd you do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you must have just figured exactly. out because you're getting punished. Um, and to speak life over yeah. you and to remind you and to point you back when you do, I'm sure you had hard moments. I'm sure you needed to be. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you're sitting in waiting rooms and, um, you know, uh, my father had died of cancer when mm. I was 19. So the reality of what cancer can do to you is very real. I was not in any denial. You know, faith right. is not calling those things 
that are as though they are not. I think sometimes we think that like, so faith is, you know, I haven't got cancer. I haven't got cancer. It's under the blood. I'm like, no, that's called lying. That's not called faith. (laughs) Um, Faith faith, though is calling those things that are not, Hebrews says, as though they are. So what I was doing was calling forth my healing, which was not yet manifest as though it was. So I wasn't denying the reality of what was going on. And I was seeing doctors. I was getting every treatment that was available to me, but I was also believing God. I knew ultimately my life was in God's hands, not the doctor's hands. And that's where I think the bottom line of rest comes from going, okay, God, whichever way this lands, Psalm 119 says that you are good and that you do good. And I believe that you are sovereign and that whichever way this goes, you will work this out for my good and for your glory. And, um, you know, to stay in that posture of faith, you, you have to just silence the voice of the accuser because, and when it normally comes is when you're tired yeah. or it, two or three in the morning or just before you wake up, you've got to know when your, uh, you know, when your vulnerable times are and you've got to set up defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I had people that would text me, you know, as soon as I got up because my most vulnerable times were mostly when I was tired and your resistance is down. And sometimes you just need friends that are going to put you on the mat and carry you through the roof to Jesus when you can't do it yourself. I'm, I just saw the movie Paul last week and everything you're saying and the whole theme of this book reminds me of the movie. He's Paul is imprisoned in uh, in Rome. He's about to be beheaded. Luke comes to be that friend to right. embolden his faith. This man that we've read all these letters. And of course, of course, Paul, he's full of faith, right? But he yeah. can still be discouraged. And it shows the humanity of a man who's imprisoned in a Rome that's a muck gone amuck and burning Christians alive. And I'm seeing I, it. I can't stop thinking about it because we've been put on this earth for a purpose. And I think of all that they went through, all yeah. that these early believers went through and to hear, and it was James Faulkner, the actor, but to hear Paul say <laughs> to live is Christ to die is gain. And he knew he was being beheaded. I mean, it meant so much more than just the, you know, the ink on a paper. It was living and active and alive. And they were, their lives were being poured out for a purpose. They saw the end game and they held that faith in the midst of persecution. We don't get, we don't understand. We don't understand it at all. And I know there are believers in this world that do and maybe listening right now. They're like, "I, I get that kind of persecution in America right now. We don't get, and these things like cancer terrify us, and that's okay that they terrify us to the level that they do. But to hold on to that faith and to recognize that God is bigger and that He put you here for a purpose bigger than the comfort, convenience, control that we're seeking—that's what I love about your book. Like, yes, hard things happen. Yes, we will be scared, but we're choosing a God who has a big plan, and if He has something for you to fulfill, there's nothing to fear. Totally. And I think because ultimately this life is but a vapor. And I think when you go into every day, including our parenting, if we go into every day with an eternal perspective, 
um, you know, then we will endure whatever temporal process comes our way. And I think mm. Jesus never said we're not going to have trials. He said when trials right. come, not if, but right. when. And I think sometimes as believers we forget that, that um, we have a grace within it. And I think part of our testimony to a lost and a broken world is the way that we go through. Sometimes we want to be delivered from. But Jesus says, mm-hmm. oh, my grace is sufficient for you through it. And I pray that this book, Unexpected, is going to give us all the strength and courage to go through it from a place of victory. And and I think, you know, you couldn't have given me a better compliment because only a handful of people have read the book. That's why I sort of paused when you said, I read it. I went, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I have. I have, I have it in my hand from, right here. I have it right here in my hand. from people. And so um, it makes me, I mean, you couldn't have given me a better compliment to say, Chris, that faith-filled perspective because what I think the challenge is is a lot of us kind of give in to the challenges and the pain and the fear and the negativity and I think giving in is worse than giving up because when you give up Mm. you can maybe start something new when you give in you make a decision I'm going to settle and I'm going to camp at this place of challenge or failure or disappointment or discouragement. And I don't want people to give in and go, well, this is just the way it is. We have serve a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we could ever ask, hope or think. So I look at the world and I look at the pain and the suffering. I look at the challenges. I mean, parenting in the 21st century is not for the faint of heart. We are yeah. dealing with cultural and moral issues that we've never had to deal with before. Like I know every generation says, well, you know, it was different in my generation, but the entire moral landscape of the earth as we knew it has so totally transformed. To be a mother in this day and age, you need the wisdom of God. And it is easy to be fearful of the changing moral paradigms and the landscape in which we're raising children in. So I don't want Christian mothers to kind of just bow down to that fear and pull back because we don't know what to do. I want to give us strength and courage to go, you are the right woman for the job. God knew that you would be alive. At the- he chooses the times and the seasons. And I think I make this point in the book. He chooses the times that we're born in. So God knew. He knew what would be happening politically, morally, spiritually, environmentally. Um, on the planet in 2018, he knew who would be the best mother for that child at this time. And out of all of the billions of people that he's created throughout all of time, he knew we would be the right people in the right time for this time to parent our kids as Christ followers. And so I want us to lean into that with a spirit of faith and not pull back from a spirit of fear. Whew. On repeat. <laughs> Those couple minutes, ladies, just go back and over and over and over. Listen to that. It's so, so true. And even the mom of the two-year-old who's like, I don't want to think about the cultural. I'm They're just right in my home. But that was the season when I parented in fear of rejection and fear that my kid, I have four boys. FYI. Yes, you're a hero. And, well, <laughs> but I feared everyone's rejection and they're too crazy and they're too wild and their personalities are too big and, and to parent in fear of that is to shut down the gifts that God gave them to possibly be, well, I know they will be the next generation of men who rise up to be different. And if I parent in fear and shut down those gifts because I'm scared of that mom next to me's rejection, I'm robbing, I'm robbing from the future gifts to the next generation. So oh, that's where I keep it in check. I, I have to keep my fear in check 
embolden my faith, keep an eternal perspective on my boys and their gifts and see that maybe the gift's gone awry right now in an unsaved three-year-old, yeah. <laughs> but put a little Holy Spirit in there Come and on. point him in the right direction. And we have a change. And so to that mom, to that mom, who's, you know, worried about that, uh, to reset her eyes, to fix it on the right path for her child. And Oh, yeah, you're raising world changes. See, I, I love that. We're called to train them up, not to restrain their gifts and talents, but to train them and direct them in the right mm-hmm. place. And mm-hmm. we need, like, I'm grateful you're having that attitude. Uh, I want my daughters to marry men like that. Right. I want, I mean, I mean, I want world-changed men. might be you too young, but yeah, we can make something happen. raise <laughs> men of God that my daughters right. can follow. You know, that's what I want. Right. Right, right. And work as a team, like you and your husband are modeling for them. I mean, all of these spiritual leaders right now, we, we got to recognize they're the next generation's coming. You know, we just saw Ruth Bell Graham, no, yes. Ruth Graham Bell and her preaching at her father's service. I mean, yeah. it's getting passed down if we keep the faith. Um, but I'm going to go to this fear of rejection thing because you'd yeah. mentioned it was your hardest place from your story. I think women listening, we talk a lot in this community about don't mom alone and the importance of coming alongside each other. But in that, we're choosing to risk and we're being vulnerable and it is to go in the face of that fear of rejection and yes. to choose anyway. Um, and you talk about betrayal and having to move forward in faith, even in the midst of a broken friendship. For what sure. encouragement can you give to the gal who's walking through that or just has? Yeah, I think for all of us, that's such a reality because even as women, you know, we're very sensitive. And I, I think for me, when you add, you know, sort of being left at a hospital, there, there's mm-hmm. always that rejection thing right from, you know, if that, that kind of bond with your own mother has mm-hmm. been challenged. It, it's always an, uh, an Achilles heel in my life, you know, if, right. I, if I'm not careful because – um, rejection, abandonment. And I think you get to a place like, you know, I'm 51 and a half and you sometimes think that's not going to happen at this stage <laughs> and you go, wow, okay, it just did. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I use the psalm, um, David said, if it was like an enemy, I could have coped, but it was with my friend that I used to go to the house of God with, you know, like it just is so destructive. And even, I mean, I'm very strong when it comes to, come on, let's go charge hell with a water pistol and take out the enemy. (laughs) Uh, But I'm very tender hearted. And once you have my loyalty and you have my friendship, you've got me, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have the power to hurt me because I am all in when I'm in. And so I think sometimes, um, the enemy will use people. And uh, Eugene Peterson in one of the Psalms talks about when you're being kicked in the gut, um, it's so painful and it wins you. Someone's got to be very close to you to kick you in the gut. And I think at, at the end of the day, we've got to understand that Jesus even allowed himself to be kicked in the gut by Judas. So he was obviously one of his close 12. And for me, the way I was able to work through that last year was to really reflect on that story of Jesus and Judas. And I thought, you know, somehow if even my Savior didn't shut down his heart, but he allowed, and he knew Judas was going to betray him, obviously at the Last Supper, 
when he said, you know, one of you is going to do this. It's like he was God, so he knew who, but he still served him the Last Supper. And I tend to think mm-hmm. if Judas did not hang himself, if he did not kill himself, um, when Jesus said uh, to the women at the tomb when he rose again, he said, you know, go and tell the disciples and Peter that, I, I, you know, I, I've come back. I think if Judas was still alive, he would have said, and Peter and Judas. And mm. I said to um, the Lord, it took me, I mean, it was deeply painful, Heather, I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, I, my mother passed away the year before last. I think this oh, betrayal so almost yeah. affected me and it became right on the back of that. So, yeah. you know, the enemy will always use your vulnerable moments. And I think um, that betrayal kicked me in the gut even in a worse way. And I think they were just back-to-back things. And so, I, I took it and I went and I went and saw a counsellor because I didn't really know how to process it. And I think it just helped me to have somebody to for six months to really talk through it and then to really reflect on Jesus and Judas. And I said to the Lord, I really want to get through this. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to shut down. I don't want to spend the next 30 or 40 years of my life not letting anyone else in close. And so what can I learn from this? Where was I perhaps wrong in this? And where are just some things that I'm going to have to live with just not knowing? And sometimes I think that's that for someone like me that is so wired up for justice and just tell me what happened and I'll change. You know, I think the just the I'm not going to know and this person just doesn't want to go there. So you just have to live with some um, just some stuff that's going to just hover and go, okay, Jesus, I have to give that over to you. I don't want to shut down my heart. I've done the best that I can do. I've looked for reconciliation and healing and forgiveness in the every way I know possible. But unless God decides to do something sovereign, this is about as worked out as it's going to be this side of eternity for now. And I'm going to have to find a way to move forward. And I think the counselor really helped me uh, to do that and to then go, I'm not going to shut down. And I, in fact, want to get to a place uh, like Jesus did, where I think he just did not let his heart harden. And he was able to serve communion to Judas. And, and I still think he possibly would have gone, you know what, bring Judas back too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm back for him as well. And I hope my heart can stay so tender that if sometime in the future there's able to be a, a you know, a more a, just something that would be more meaningful to me in terms of a resolution, that my heart is going to be so soft and tender that I'm going to go, yes, come and let's eat together and let's move forward. Wow. That that's very powerful and it's it's humbling to choose to set aside uh, those grievances. And I love how you're thinking of Jesus and how he would have handled the situation. And for so many of us in difficult relationships, I think that is a good model <laughs> to go to looking to God's word and saying, okay, what did Jesus do when he was betrayed? What did Jesus do when he was rejected and taking on that for ourselves and um, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you for sharing vulnerably that story. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for writing this book, always walking in faith and inviting us along. The passion that you preach from is inspiring to us all. And where can gals find you online so they can keep following you? I think obviously everywhere is uh, Christine Kane. I think I'm pretty much wherever <laughs> you're going to find me. It won't be that hard. <laughs> thank you. you find just, just search for her there. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. And it was so great to talk with you. Thank you, Heather. I just so appreciate your time. Bless you. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you.
All right, there's Chris Kane. If you've never heard of her before, you're welcome. And you have a lot to catch up on because Unexpected is her sixth book. And her first one, uh, she shares a lot of her story and then continues in the rest. You're, you just, you need to read them because she's very talented. She's, I've heard her speak publicly. You could probably Google some videos of her speaking. Uh, just full of truth and passion and energy and I always walk away of time with Chris feeling emboldened and excited to know that this big God loves us and is rescuing us and has big plans for us. It's it's such a gift. I want to take a second and tell you about this Sparrow Conference I went to this weekend. Uh, it, put it on your wish list if you uh, are interested in being a part of something unlike anything I've ever seen before for women about reconciliation uh, between different races, gathering women to really study God's word. We studied the book of first John throughout the weekend. And that's the first conference I've been to where, uh, start to finish, we just dug into God's word and let him speak to each of us based off his words. And my friend Kat Armstrong, who's been on the show, she spoke the first night and did a spectacular job despite being very, very sick. Um, amazed at her gifts, uh, and her vulnerability. And I also want to share something from Jada Edwards. If anybody knows Jada, send her my way. I want to have her on the show. She is very talented as well. Uh, she was talking about First John 3. And I thought it applied to this topic of fear and faith. And um, for me, fear can come from a place of brokenness in my soul and can allow my emotions to spiral. Um, that feeling of fear is an emotion and it's not to be trusted, right? It's a reaction and I allow it to, and then influence my thoughts, which then influence my actions. And Jada reminded us in first John three, it says your heart will want to condemn you. So not only does it misdirect my thoughts and my actions, um, my, my emotions, they also, um, I can then have thoughts based on me falling back into a place of fear, thoughts of, oh, there you go again. See, you haven't conquered it. You just responded again. And I know that that was, you're afraid of rejection. You're afraid of a failure. And so you see, you haven't, you haven't changed. And so my mind will think these thoughts and condemn me. And the verse goes on to say, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart, than our inadequacies adequacies, our insecurities. Um, when we beat ourselves up because we haven't healed enough or we don't feel healed enough, God's greater than those feelings, than those mistakes. And he comes to our rescue. And because of Jesus, we have this confidence. We can stand before God and nothing is ever going to shake that confidence. We belong to God. Nothing, nothing, nothing we do will ever undo our belonging to God when we've professed faith in Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And that is the good news. Wherever you are, if you are struggling to muster the faith, pray a simple prayer. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It is that simple. Turn to him and your place of fear. Turn to him. We, like I've always said, we are, 
turn to God. God provides the healing. It is okay though. Also, if you are in a place of anxiety that is entrapping you, you can turn to a counselor. You can turn to help. We heard Chris that her, something her counselor had said to her. So this isn't, is not wrong to reach out to professional help, but we can also through the power of the Holy spirit, call on God to heal us and have faith that he, he can, he can. So I don't know if that's an encouragement to you. Uh, I loved studying the book of first John this weekend. If you are thinking, man, I don't even know where to start in studying the Bible. I wanted to remind you about the enjoy the word conference that is happening May 2nd through 4th. Uh, you can go in the show notes at godcentermom.com for this episode. And you can see, I put a little link to uh, that conference and you can check it out more. There are 20 different speakers over the course of the weekend and it's all online and it's all available for replay. So you register and then you can watch whatever sessions, whenever. And I did a session. My session is God's word in our family. Uh, it's under the God's word in our family uh, breakout sessions. It's called helping your kids enjoy the word from Bible stories to Bible study. And I'll be just sharing different resources we used over the last few years with our boys. And um, yeah, and there'll be, you know, lots of other amazing speakers like my friends, Francie Winslow will be sharing, Kat Lee, Katie Orr, Stacey Thacker, all those girls have been on the podcast before. And you'll get to hear, how do I study God's word? How do I make time in my day? Uh, I know the girls from Risen Motherhood will be speaking, talking about when you have young kids and making time to be with, spend time reading God's word. Um, Other ladies who uh, teach you how to study God's word, Kat Lee will talk about making time in the morning. Um, So go check that out. Go to godcentermom.com forward slash enjoy the word to get that link and sign up. I think. This week might be the last week for the early bird price. I hope I'm not telling you something wrong. Um, I think they are pushing it back. But don't miss that out on that if you are someone who's just looking for some help. Uh, that's my hope is that that conference is a gift and helps you get further in God's word. And any of, you know, Katie Orr, who's running the conference, she has so many great Focus 15 studies. If you're just looking for getting started in 15 minutes a day, you can learn how to do inductive Bible study. And it's such a gift to have those tools. And she teaches you how to use, you know, tools that you may not know about to look at the original language of Greek and Hebrew and um, let God show you new things on the same passage by reading the same passage um, every day for a week. And it's good. So check out the Focus 15 studies if you just want a, a Bible study to get started um, or maybe as you head into the summer, you're thinking about what am I going to do this summer when I'm not in an official study with my church? Because just like Chris said, we need to be in God's word if we're going to combat fear. We need to know his truth that we can stand on, that we can be centered on, or else we're just going to be blown by the waves of our feelings and our circumstances and the hard things, the circumstances, the unexpected that we can't control. Those diagnoses, the rejections, Uh, So get in God's word, whatever way you can. Okay. I think y'all are amazing. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. 
That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.